TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey-Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Friday evening, the 19th of February. The year is 2021. This is Scoop Podcast episode... 335. Some quick notes, then we'll get to some conversations. On the Twins front, I brought this up with Mackie and Judd on Thursday. Also had a note on Channel 5 about it on Thursday. I can now hit it here on the Scoop podcast. That the Twins have engaged the camps for Jose Barrios and Byron Buxton about extensions. This is not the first time that the Twins have approached both camps about contract extensions. Nothing appears imminent. I am told there have not been any extension talks on the Michael Pineda front. He is a free agent after the year. Same goes for Tyler Duffy and others, but two to keep an eye on, although again, nothing imminent, but two to keep an eye on, Buxton and certainly Barrios. I would rank Barrios number one on the Twins priority list. Today was day one for pitchers and catchers in Fort Myers. The Twins had 12 pitchers and catchers for different reasons, not on the field. Like Tyler Duffy was supposed to fly to Fort Myers from Houston on Monday. Monday, the weather issues down there in Texas. He finally was supposed to catch a flight on Thursday at 4.30, but then once upon arriving in Fort Myers, it takes a few days to go through the COVID protocols. Danny Colome is another guy who lives in Texas. He's actually in Dallas, not Houston like Duffy, but Danny couldn't get out of Dallas until... Well, yesterday, but then had to connect. Long story short, supposed to arrive in Fort Myers later today, but then he'll have to go through the protocols. So it's just, it's going to be a while. Derek Law, who was on this podcast about, what, two months ago, had a nice run with the San Francisco Giants in the majors a few years ago. He's a non-roster invite, but he's a name to keep an eye on, a guy with major league experience. Well, Derek had some hiccups with... COVID testing, but he is now cleared. So there's just there's all sorts of different reasons why why the 12 guys aren't out there, but it doesn't sound like there's any long-term injury concerns or anything like that. Like the Twins are not set to put any pitcher, for example, on the 60-day injured list. But keep an eye over the next few days as more guys trickle onto the field. The first full day of workouts is Tuesday. By the way, I'll add, one of the 12 guys that wasn't on the field today, it's a crazy story. I won't say the name, but the details are interesting. So this pitcher tested positive for COVID back in January, but then upon arriving in Fort Myers, tested positive again. But he had, after a few weeks in January, had tested negative for COVID. So he traveled to Fort Myers after producing a negative test, but upon arriving in Fort Myers, tested positive so now they're doing some more testing they're trying to figure out what major league baseball how to solve this conundrum i mean it's just a mess but he had COVID. it's proven back in january so all these weeks later after producing multiple negative tests like he's trying to figure out okay what the heck is going on here like let me on the field so like that's just one example of of some of the hiccups not only the twins but that many organizations are dealing with on the Gophers men's basketball front, Gabe Kausher underwent surgery today. Successful surgery. Can't remember the last time I heard it's happened, but it's rare when an athlete undergoes surgery and it wasn't a success. Finger, shooting hand, out three to four weeks. Unfortunate injury for the Edina native, the former star at De La Salle High School. On Liam Robbins, didn't practice today. He's been hobbled since getting hurt in the Purdue game here, what, about a week ago 
or so. Tried to gut it out on Wednesday at Indiana, but if you watched, I mean, you could tell Liam just doesn't have any sort of explosion. One of the Indiana guards, when they went on that 18-2 run after it was tied to 55, got right to the glass. Liam, normal circumstances, would have offered resistance. Heck, I think he would have blocked the shot. But in that case, he just couldn't get off the ground layup good. So Robbins may gut it out tomorrow. Kofi Coburn, one of the best big men in the country, the Illinois star big man. I mean, that's a really tough matchup if Robbins was 100%. So the Gophers, just with a lack of depth in many ways, it's just it's a tough spot. Look for Sam Freeman to get some minutes, some more minutes. He hasn't played much this year, but look for him to get some more minutes tomorrow afternoon. On the Wolves, so the Wolves have the worst record in the NBA. The Iowa Wolves have the worst record in the G League bubble, seriously, you cannot make it up. Tyler Cook, the former Iowa Hawkeye, has been playing well for the Iowa Wolves. Alonzo Trier, too. Gerson Rosas watched the Iowa Wolves last Saturday. The Wolves have the open roster spot. Could they sign one of those guys to a 10-day deal? You can sign 10-day deals starting in just a few days, not right this second, but in a few days before the month is over. So keep an eye certainly on Cook and, to some extent, Trier. I know that other teams also have an interest in signing Cook to their NBA roster. On D'Angelo Russell, I guess I will be shocked if he's back in the four to six weeks. He underwent a comparable surgery November 2017 to remove loose bodies, left knee. He ended up missing about eight weeks. Then when he came back after the eight-week mark, he was only playing like 15 to 20 minutes a night. I guess I will be surprised if we see Russell back on the court in four to six weeks is eight weeks more realistic maybe seven heck is he going to be shut down for the season i guess stay tuned stay tuned on that it is interesting that the nets doctor did the surgery not anybody with the wolves although full context the nets doctor did that same surgery back in november of 2017 so that doctor dr williams has experience working on D'Angelo's knee, but still interesting nonetheless. I know it raised the eyebrows of some people in league circles wondering why the Nets doctor did the surgery, not anybody associated with the Wolves. All right, nothing else too pressing that I need to unleash here, so let's get to conversations. Let's start with Michael Lombardi, former GM of the Cleveland Browns, former assistant to Bill Belichick. He was a bigwig in the Raiders front office from 98 until 2007. He was a bigwig in the Eagles front office in the mid-90s. He worked as a scout for the 49ers. He has years upon years of NFL front office experience. He now is a media guy among outlets he works for, The Athletic. I caught up with Michael Lombardi earlier today. We talked Kirk Cousins and much more. Michael, I always appreciate your time. I'll hit you on some Vikings talking points and a couple non-Vikings talking points, but on the Vikings, the the big talker here in town, the elephant in the room, as you can imagine, is is Kirk Cousins' contract. So as far as I can tell, it's a, what, a $45 million cap hit one year from now, 2022. But as of March 20th of this year, the, the contract becomes fully guaranteed. So essentially, the Vikings have to make a decision on Kirk in the next four weeks. I guess, how how do you view the Cousins situation? Well, I think it's problematic in the sense that it, it forces them to uh, not be able to build the team around them. I wrote a column for The Athletic this week, and I talked about how, you know, sometimes quarterbacks who get paid a lot of money put a target on their back, and they're responsible to carry the franchise. And 
for the most part, most quarterbacks can't carry a franchise. I mean, Peyton Manning, there's no better player than Peyton Manning. 12 years in Indianapolis, you know, three conference championship games, two Super Bowls, he won one. I think that's a little short for as great a player as he was, you know, and so partly because, you know, when you have high cap numbers and you have a salary cap, when you spend so much on one position, which you must do, and he takes away all the money, then it leaves you to deal with Kyle Rudolph, who doesn't want to take a pay cut. You lose a good player just because you can't afford every player or you lose a right tackle or you lose your left tackle. So I think it's really a problem. It's a good thing to have a great quarterback, but it's not a good thing to have a good quarterback who's highly overpaid. And I think that's what Minnesota has. Do you think if the Vikings wanted to, that there would be a legit trade market for Kirk, whether that's San Francisco, heck Michael, there were some whispers that, that before the Rams dealt, dealt for Stafford that they'd inquired about Cousins. Do you feel like if the Vikings put Cousins on the market that they could get a legit offer? Oh, I definitely – look, Kyle – look, let's go back to when Kyle Shanahan first arrived in San Francisco. His master plan at that time was to sign Kirk Cousins. I mean, that was the master plan. And the only reason there was a fly in the ointment was because Jimmy Garoppolo got delivered in his lap for a second-round pick. He was going to try him out like he would take a car from the shop and drive it around for a test ride. And then he won five straight games with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he had no choice. And so there, there, there's allowed the Vikings to get Kirk Cousins. So I think that Kyle has always loved Kirk, and I think they could certainly work something out. Kyle is represented by the same firm that represents Mike, uh, that represents Kirk. So I, I think there could be something worked out. However, you know, Kirk probably would have to take a, a different type of deal and, you know, Kirk's going to have to evaluate his career three, four years from now when he retires. To, you know, I've made a lot of money. I've made a ton of money. Uh, but do I have any rings? And why do we play the game? What's the conundrum like when when you're a front office, when you're, you know, in this case, Rick Spielman, when, when you're the head coach, Mike Zimmer, having these difficult conversations with ownership? Like, to me, the Will family, Mike, is – I'm not quite sure they're ready to hit the reset button, but I do wonder if maybe Zim – Spielman might be more inclined to do so, but I'm sure they would like some assurances that if 2021 ends up as, you know, a five and 11 type season, six and 10, if you do hit the reset button, that those guys would be back in 2022. And so like, what's, what's that conundrum like when you're trying to sell ownership on an idea like that? Well, I think they have a card in their pocket. It was the case Keenum card. I mean, look at it when they won, when they made it to the conference championship game against the Eagles. Now it wasn't end up being a very good game, but they got there on a miraculous play by the by by Stefan Diggs, you know, that that they wanted they got a lot of wins with Case Keenum, you know, and nobody thought that was pro probable. You know, when you look at the some of the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, whether it's Doug Williams, Mark Rippin, you know, Trent Dilfer, Nick Foles, I mean, those guys those guys were not the best players on the team, but they played well and they allowed the team to have more of a balanced and, and better talent all around. And I think that that's Rick's real issue. He's got to sit there and say, yeah, I mean, we probably will have to take a lesser quarterback, but will that help us rebuild an offensive line? Will this help us rebuild a defensive line that was nowhere near Mike Zimmer, what he wants from a defensive line? That wasn't a typical Mike Zimmer. It was young. It didn't have Danielle Hunter, but that wasn't who Mike Zimmer wants in defensive linemen. So, I mean, the cap forces you to make concessions. It forces you to make choices. 
But I think at this point, they've gone so far with Kurt. I think the choice is pretty clear. You're never going to win if you keep going down that road. Put on your predictor hat, yes or no, on March, say March 21st. Is Kirk Cousins a Minnesota Viking? I would probably say yes for the reasons that, Darren, that you asked me earlier, is that nobody wants to rebuild. Everybody wants to reload. I'm with you. I agree. I mean, it's as you can imagine, Michael, it's it's a really fun talker here in town, but I think Kirk Cousins is here. I think that that them hiring Clint Kubiak, Gary Sun is the offensive coordinator, keeping the same offense in place. Like I guess I just I would be surprised if if Kirk isn't here. Well, you know, look, I, I think you you uh that the the transition from what they did offensively to this year, they had to keep that, whether Kirk was there or not. This this style of offense allows Cousins to play well. It allowed Baker Mayfield to play well. You know, Baker Mayfield may be the first pick of the draft, but he's not hes not a quarterback who's elite, who's going to carry a team to a Super Bowl. He needs to be in a play-action pass scheme that fits his talent set. And I think if the, if the Vikings could find someone along those lines, I think they would make the switch, but I think it's going to be hard for them to do that. Do you have any good sense on on what exactly the the cap number for for 2021 will be? I mean, I guess what well, we found out this week that the floor is what 180 million, but like could it be as high as 185, maybe even higher than that? Like how hard is it right now for front offices not having the exact number? I think it's really challenging. That's why you don't see any contracts done. That's why you don't see any guys signing any extensions cuz no one knows what the deal will be. I think 185 would be really that, you know, look, every dollar they can get is a dollar they could save somewhere else. But here's the issue. Once you get under the cap, you have no flexibility. You can't do anything. You can't maneuver. And there's going to be an, a hugely uh, large flux of players that are going to be free agents that are mid-level free agents that are not going to be able to get those kind of deals because teams just don't have the cap room. COVID will take a bite out of free agency. Well, I mean, even like, okay, so you brought up Kyle Rudolph. I think it's a foregone conclusion that that he's not here this year. Like, there's no way Kyle Rudolph will recoup on the open market what he was set to make this year, right? Correct. But, you know, it, it's easier for players to take less money from another team than have to go in the locker room and take money from their, their current team. It, there's, a, there's a little bit of a face saving that you can do it somewhere else as opposed to doing it there. The one guy who did, I mean, there's probably been a few instances, but Riley Reef took the pay cut and stayed here. Michael, I was I was surprised by that. But then the Vikings last week gave him the one million dollar bonus. He ended up missing week 17, the game in Detroit because he landed on the covid list. So he couldn't reach the, the snaps threshold. But the Vikings took care of that bonus anyway. One million dollars. So, I mean, not a not a small number. Do you think that was maybe a sign that they that they see Riley Reef here this year? They have to. I mean, look, what, if you just sit there and say, what are the problems with the Vikings? And it, it starts with what I wrote about on, on Wednesday for the Athletic, the offensive line. They have to get better there. We've been talking about this for how long with Minnesota, right? And, and a lot of that is because they, they haven't been able to nail down the left tackle, the right. They haven't been able to nail it down to the best of their ability. It looks good at times against certain level of competition, but not consistently. The Packers have done a good job against them. So you got to fix that. The defensive line was nowhere near what we're used to seeing when they had Griffin, Hunter, and they had all those guys. Now, I know Michael Pierce didn't play because of COVID, but still there wasn't that depth and domination that they once had in Minnesota. So they've got to repair both lines. They're young. I thought their talent was really coming on. You know, they're a very young team. Uh, and I think they can continue to grow, but they need to repair both lines. And that takes assets to do it. You're not going to repair 
offensive and defensive linemen in free agency. It's too expensive. On Pierce, what would be your concern level? Now, I talked to him a few weeks ago. He was in great spirits. Heck, he's picked up cross training. He told me he weighs 349 pounds, that this is the best he's felt in a while. Feels like he'll be able to get the COVID vaccine before the season starts. So he's planning on playing this year. But like when talking about a guy that big taking an entire year off, like what would be your concern level as he comes back this year? Well, you know, look, you, you just experienced what I have with my 35-year career in the NFL. I've never met a player who – never never talked to a player on the phone who wasn't in good shape, who just didn't come back from a workout, so who was at the lowest weight possible. So welcome to my world. That's what they tell you, right? <laughs> Whether it's true or not, I'm not disputing it. Time and past performance has told me it's not, but we'll go with it, right? I mean, look, he's a rundown player. Uh, you know, he's got to be in good shape. He's got to be able to last and we'll see what happens. I don't know what it's like in Minnesota. I live in a little beach town in New Jersey. We're slowly getting vaccinated. Let's hope we all do soon. So, you know, I, he would help. There's no doubt. But again, his cap number is going to be rather large. Can they afford to have him? You're right. It's like a bingo card, right? When a guy says I'm in the best shape of my life, like cross off the spot on, on the bingo card is, is like training camp starts when a guy says, I'm in the best shape of my life. I, I hear you on, on that. On Anthony no, Barr. No one's in the best shape in February. No yeah, one is. I agree. They're all uh, prisoners. They're hibernating. On Anthony Barr, the cap number is like 15-5. But if they cut him, there'd be a bunch of dead money. Eric Wilson is a free agent. Like, you can make a case that Anthony Barr – you know, maybe subtly, maybe the, the, you know, the, the big numbers, the sacks and tackles for loss, maybe they don't, they don't pop at you, but, but subtly he helps in so many ways. Like, I guess I'm curious to see what takes place with Anthony Barr, maybe some sort of restructure of his contract. And he remains here as maybe the, the solution. Well, I, I think, look, they, you know, one thing about Mike that he has to have, he has to have certain players on his team. And when you're dealing with a guy who has 12.3 million of, of paragraph five, Right. So players have that much, then you can turn around and guarantee that money and lower his cap number. And I think that's what you'll see them do. And I think that's what will happen. You know, Kirk Cousins has 21 million of base salary due to him. So if, but if they go to him and he, uh, and he has, you know, if they go to him to, to sign, to guarantee that 21 to lower his cap charge of 31 million, you know, now you're incurring debt down the road and you're basically playing what I call the wimpy game. You're gladly play, you're paying uh, tomorrow for a hamburger today. And that's a dangerous game to play. As the Vikings navigate the next few weeks, how much will they miss George Payton? I, I mean, I'm sure they're going to miss George quite a bit. I'm sure Rick's going to miss George quite a bit. I'm sure he's going to miss him for his sounding off, his, his ability to evaluate. But all of George's reports are probably in the computer. George worked probably all the way through. So instead of talking to him about it, he can go read them. Yeah, and I, I think it was it was inevitable, right? Like, he was going to get a GM job. In fact, he maybe should have had one five years ago. Like, I think we were just all waiting here in town for – for George to say yes to, to one of these jobs. So I would hope that, that Rick has been preparing for, for this moment for a while. I'm sure he has, you know, and, 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 and you, the longer you wait to get it, the better you'll be at it because experience does matter in these jobs. I suppose this week, the, the big NFL headline is, is the Carson Wentz trade. I guess how, how do you view that transaction? I guess from my standpoint, I mean, I understand it from Indianapolis's standpoint. And I guess if you're Philadelphia, you know, it reached a point where, where a move probably had to take place, and I guess they get the cap relief long-term. 
Well, I mean, it's really could be a 30 for 30 documentary, how much they paid for the player, you know, what they paid the player. People forget he's, he's still on his rookie contract. Even though he has this enormous contract, it's not due to kick in until this year. He got a signing bonus, but the, the numbers stayed flat until this year when he goes to play. It's really, I think the Eagles have to look at this as where did we fail? What happened? You know, the road was a road they couldn't go back down again. I mean, there was talk that he was not getting along with his teammates. There was a disconnect between he and the coach. There was a disconnect of trust between him and the front office. Whatever it was, this is a huge problem. You spent a lot of assets to acquire him. You spent a lot of money to sign him. And then you just have to get rid of them. Something's wrong with your system. If you don't believe that, then you're naive. So, you know, look, for the Colts, they get a really inexpensive player in the low 20 million range at quarterback who has the ability to assist their team. You know, they're a team that has balance. They can run the ball. They proved that last year. They're good in the offensive line. They've got to replace Costanza at left tackle. But they're really good in the offensive line. And they're going to get better with the draft and they have a ton of cap room this year. So he doesn't come in as the guy who has to carry the team. He comes in to the guy that's going to be part of the team with a very affordable cap number, completely different than what Kirk Cousins is at 31 million. And he's got to be the guy that really makes the difference. And he can't. So at the quarterback position, so Wentz changes teams, Stafford changes teams, Goff changes teams. Who's next? I would think Jimmy Garoppolo changes team. I think San Francisco is going to do something. I just don't know what it is yet. San Francisco has been kicking too many tires in the car lot to not buy a car. You know, they say they're not, but they keep, they keep doing that. And I, and I think they'll try to change. I mean, that's why it's just not to say that the Vikings are going to do it. Cause again, Michael, like I think Kirk is here, but like, to me, it's, it's darn near. It's, it's, it's like a lock to happen. Maybe it's already happened that, that John Lynch is going to pick up the phone and call Rick Spielman. I, I, I think so. Yeah, I do think he, I'm sure they probably have already had that conversation and they know that when they do have that conversation, that all parties involved will know because Mike McCarthy, which is also the same firm that represents Kyle Shanahan. So there's going to be a confluence of information being shared. Sam Darnold, the possibility, I guess, Deshaun Watson. I mean, is Houston, you know, will they trade him? And I guess would those be the maybe the next two names to, to keep an eye on after after Garoppolo? Well, you know, look, I think Sam Darnold's the next one, too. I think that, you know, they have to make the decision. And, you know, the media has already made this decision. You know, they've already think Zach Wilson's better than Sam Darnold. I'm not sure that's true, but that's what everybody in the media is telling us. You know, we're also being heard that Zach Wilson's better than Trevor Lawrence now, too, which is interesting. We heard that, you know, Ryan Leaf was better than Peyton Manning at one time, too. So we can continue down that road if we want to go. Mock drafts are great things to look at. You know, there's a lot of people that never made a pick or evaluated that have a thousand opinions. And so, you know, it's funny. I got a bunch of texts today from people in the league that when they read the comments about Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson, it's just interesting how that just can manifest itself. But look, Sam Darnold, the Jets have to make a hard decision. You know, they've got to decide, is Sam Darnold better than Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson's new. Zach Wilson's never played in the NFL, but is he better? That's a hard thing to answer because you have bias based in Sam Darnold. You've watched him. You You have optimism in Zach Wilson. And sometimes optimism creates an illusion. And it's the wrong illusion. And I think... 
you know, Joe Douglas has to make the right call because he could take the left tackle from Oregon and have two of the best tackles in all of football. And I promise you, if you have two of the best tackles in all of football, you're going to run the ball and you're going to be able to throw the ball no matter who else is in the game. I like Wilson, but like, when did he become the consensus number two? Like the Fields kid from Ohio State is really good. And then I'll admit my bias. Trey Lance is a Minnesota boy. You know, he's a Minnesota kid. Like I'm going to root for Trey Lance. So like, when did Wilson make this ascension? You know, I think that, uh, I, I think that there is a momentum base that creates, you know, that, that just drives it. It's, it's the electability. It's, you know, it's what we have. We have so many mock drafts. We have so much conversation that, it, that, that the story gets spread by one and that it continues on, even though there's no confirmation of it. No one's, no one's confirmed that Zach Wilson's the second best player other than people that, that go on TV and do mock drafts for a living, which I don't, I don't complain about it. I'm just not going to listen to them. You know, you make your own evaluation. And so, you know, it, it, the thing that really matters the most it doesn't matter where they get drafted. It matters how they play. We lose sight of that a lot. You know, we lose sight of that a lot. You know, Dan Marino was the last quarterback picked in a quarterback draft that was supposed to be the greatest quarterback draft in the history of football. He was the last one picked. John Elway was the first. Can you name the other three? You know, it's pretty hard. You know, most people can't. But, you know, Marino was the work, the last one. Lamar Jackson was the last one picked. You know, let's just let's make sure we get it right. I'll leave you with this. Like, okay, so Chicago, you mentioned San Francisco, Washington. Like, what situations are you looking at in terms of, you know, where where some of these quarterbacks end up landing? I mean, you know, am I forgetting anybody? I mean, is there some intrigue in New Orleans? Like, Carolina. I guess there could be a bunch, right? Carolina. Well, I think New Orleans wants to go with Jameis Winston. They have to get him on a contract. They have severe cap issues. I mean, you, you know, I think Denver needs a quarterback. They're not going to go with Drew Locke. They've already tried to trade Drew Locke once. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of team. Washington football team wants to. There are a lot of teams involved with Matthew Stafford because he was a proven commodity. You know, you could plug and play him into your offense. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's and the problem is there's not a lot of guys out there that you could feel like, Here's the guy, you know, he can really help us, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, you know, those guys, you're, you're just basically saying we need to have a better team around them. Speaking of Denver, like it's hard not to wonder if maybe George would have some interesting Kirk Cousins. Not at that cap number. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing with Kirk is I think, you know, this year he's at 21 million. So see Kirk for somebody else. He's at 21 million. Next year he goes up to 35 million. You know, he goes up to 35 million and his cap number is at 45 million. I mean, you, know? you just can't have it, right? I mean, you can't have a player eat up. I mean, in that case, what about like 20% of your cap? Right. And so here he is at 33 years old. At some point, you're gonna have to take, you're gonna have to get to the proverbial fork in the road and make a decision. I say make it now. But, you know, we'll see if they do that. Michael, always appreciate your time. Certainly stay safe. And, and hopefully on the, on the vaccine front, you're able to get vaccinated here pretty quick. Thank you, Darren. Same to you. Always love catching up with Michael Lombardi. The hammer will be coming soon enough when it comes to the Vikings 
salary cap decisions. We've already seen a number of decisions. Heck, just today, I just saw Deshaun Jackson let go. The Packers let go Kirksey and Wagner. The moves here in Minnesota are coming. Let's continue the football talk. I was in the gym at Training House in Egan with Tyler Johnson on Monday. So eight days after winning the Super Bowl, he was back at it preparing for the 2021 season. Here's my conversation from Monday with the former Gopher, the pride of North Minneapolis, Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver, Tyler Johnson. Tyler, you would have every reason to take a lengthy vacation, a lengthy break. Why eight days later are you back grinding so hard? Came back to spend time with my family. You know, after a long season, I think that was very important, very important to me. But you could have come home and just relaxed. Why was it important to be in here this morning? Honestly, because I'm behind right now. A lot of guys around the league got to start working out back in January, but um, it's a blessing to be able to be a Super Bowl champion. But like I said, I'm, I'm behind right now, so I got a lot of catching up to do. Where does that work ethic come from? I would say from where I'm raised at, the city I'm raised in. I'm just always hungry, you know, always striving to be better. What was it like? Take us back to, to eight days ago. You know, as the clock's ticking down, you guys are up comfortably, but as the clock's ticking down, four, three, two, one, you guys are the Super Bowl champions. Just take me back to, to that moment. Man, it was unreal. Like, it felt like a movie, you know, but um, being able to be in that situation with a a, a group of guys, a great group of guys, um, just to all be able to celebrate, enjoy the moment together is something that I'll never forget, you know, and um, it's definitely a blessing. How much of a roller coaster was the last year? I mean, I think back to the start of 2020, your unbelievable performance in Tampa, by the way, Outback Bowl, pre-draft process. The draft maybe expected to go higher than you did, but you landed in a perfect spot, but then you have the injury, right, in training camp. Like, the entire year, a roller coaster where once you got healthy, everything blossomed. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just able to control what I can control, you know, and I think that was very important for me. Um, not getting down, just keeping my head forward, you know, keeping my vision, my vision bright, knowing that God has a plan for me, you know. So um, it was times where I was upset, you know, like you said about the injury, but I couldn't let that, you know, stop what I have, you know, what God has planned for me, you know, so um, always seeing the vision, always having a vision for the brighter days, you know, and um, everything will play out smooth. What does it say about landing in the right spot? Like, who knows, you could have been a third or fourth round pick, but maybe you end up in, who knows, with the Jets or the Jaguars. I mean, those teams took wide receivers, right? But maybe the year doesn't unfold the way it did, that, that landing in the right spot, the right opportunity matters most. Yeah, um, like I said, just control what you can control. You know, I think that was important for me. You know, I was frustrated about certain things, but God put me in the right spot. He put in me where he wanted me. So um, just going out there, doing my job, just having fun. Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment? Heck, maybe it was the first time you just, you introduced yourself to Tom Brady, or maybe it was your first touchdown catch, whatever it was. Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment? I think, I think my whole time just getting down there to Tampa was just a welcome to the NFL. You know, um, I would say the whole year was a welcome to the NFL. I didn't know what to expect going into it, but um, I was able to be around a great group of guys and just hear from them, pick their brains, and be around them, see how they work, how they handle themselves, how they handle their business, how they handle their bodies. You know, so I was able to take a lot of bits and pieces like that throughout year one for me. So um, going into year two, I know what to expect now. You know, I know what I got to do to stay on the field. Is there something to be said, too, about the jump from year one to year two? 
that a lot of players, that's when the biggest jump occurs, that, that your belief is that year one, year two, you will take a big jump? Uh, yeah, um, I'm hungry. I'm very hungry. But um, I think it's important for me to always stay this way, stay hungry, you know, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's going on, um, just to pray and stay hungry. That's it. You guys were 7-5 and five at one point. You didn't lose after that. What changed from 7-5? and five? Everybody had a vision. Everybody knew what it was going to take to be where we wanted to go. So everybody bought in, um, paid a little bit more time and extra to the details, you know, and um, like I said, everybody was on the same page. I mean, when we look back in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, your run to win at Washington, at New Orleans, at Green Bay, beat Kansas City, that run is going to go down in history, especially the last three games. Like, to win at New Orleans, and I get it, different world, not a real home field advantage for New Orleans, but still, you went on the road. You win at Green Bay in the elements, right? Then you beat the defending champs. Like, this was an all-time run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a blessing. Um, honestly, like I said, being with a great group of guys, everybody's bought in. Um, everybody was having fun. They were, everybody was enjoying the moment, which is very important for things like that. Where does the skill come from to make that catch, the catch you had in the New Orleans game, the one where you came across your body? Like, there's not a lot of guys that can make that catch. Just trusting it. I come in every day, come into work. Um, like I said, I wasn't proud or anything about the situation that I was in. I was just always working, you know, um, knowing that I can get better, knowing that, you know, down the long run things are going to work out. So I just, just love making plays, and um, the ball was thrown my way, and I just made a play. The Green Bay game. Now I talked to Coach Adams leading up to the Kansas City game, and he's like, "I guarantee Tyler's knocking himself for the drop he had early." But then you rebounded. You had the third down catch, and then, you know, like the key play, the defining play of the game, you draw the pass interference penalty. Yeah, just like I said, just keep playing, just keep playing, regardless of the situation. You know, um, Coach Adams know how I felt after that. Um, he, he hit me with a text about it, but. Um, yeah, just, just next play mentality. I went on, kept going on to the OC, just letting them know, like, yo, I need that one back. But um, the ball was in the air, came my way, and I just had to make a play. When did it hit you that your NFL dream could become a reality? Like, I remember Ramad's here. Like, I remember it was five or six summers ago at a park in North Minneapolis. We came, and you were running routes, but you had been a quarterback and a DB at North. Like, when, when did playing in the NFL, making the transition to wide receiver, when did all that become a reality? I mean, I always had a dream of it ever since I first touched the football. You know, my first game was in the Metrodome. So um, I guess you could start it there. But um, just, just always having a love for the game is something that'll never leave me. You know, it's, it's where it's, it, the game has got me to where I'm at now, you know, where I'm at now in life. And um, it's able to build so many relationships. Um, the football is definitely never going to go. It's going to go away, I should say, but um, the relationships won't. So uh, I think that's, that's something that I'm taking away from this game. And um, I'm just very thankful to be able to play the child's game as my job. How close did you come to going the basketball route? Like, I think if you had focused on basketball, I'm not breaking news here, you were a Division I type basketball player, but you chose the football route. Yeah, um, I would just say it, it came down to where um, the opportunity to be at, would be for me to achieve my dream, you know, uh, what, which one would be more of an opportunity for the other. So um, football route was best for me. I talked to my family about it back in high school. So yeah. If you don't commit to Minnesota, if you end up at Wisconsin or Iowa, 
you feel like you're still in this position? No clue. I'm glad I was a gopher. I'm glad I was a gopher. What's it say about just being a hometown guy, staying home, and reaching the pinnacle of your sport? It means so much to me because I know um, not only the state, but my city, the support they have for me, you know, is huge. And um, every time I talk to them, every time I'm going on my timeline uh, before a big game or something like that, I just see the, the news feed going crazy about me. So um, I don't get a chance to say thank you to everybody, but I want them to know that I'm very thankful for their love and support. Are you going to connect with a lot of people in the Northside community in the coming weeks? Like how important, another thing that I talked to Coach Adams about, that, that your connection, that, that you give a lot of people hope specifically in the north side. Oh uh, yeah, it's big. It's big that I stay connected to the north side. They know they got my love and support over there. Um, and I'm always going to do what I got to do to stay connected to them. I mean, do you relish being a role model that, that there's a lot of kids that now look up to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I take that on my back every day. You know, it's something that, um, that I got to live with for life. So I got to make sure I'm doing the right thing, knowing that I got a lot of people looking up to me. Are you curious to see what takes place, whether it's, you know, Godwin's a free agent, Antonio Brown's a free agent, that, that depending on what takes place, your role could change here heading into year two. Yeah, God's plan. God got a plan for everybody. So whatever happens, happens. I just can't wait to go out there and make plays. What was it like bonding with the GOAT? Like, I don't think there's any debate. Tom Brady, the greatest player of all time, or at least the greatest team player of all time. What was it like forming that bond? Uh, man, it was amazing just to be able to gain his trust. Um, and, and critical moments of the game, uh, unbelievable. It's like, it felt like a movie at times, but Tom's a great guy, he's a great leader, and I'm, I'm glad to be on his team. You got anything, Jeff? Did he ever pull you aside and say, listen, I've worked with so many different receivers, I wanna get to know you so you can get to know me so we can feed off of each other? No, nah, I never did. Um, I feel like with Tom, he was just always be able to trust his guys, you know, he, he knew who was in the room with him, and he always wanted to put us in the right situation. Did you catch, was it against Green Bay, a home game, did you catch a record-setting touchdown pass from Tom? Was it that touchdown against Green Bay in the regular season in the corner of the end zone? Uh, Am I correct I'm not, I'm not sure which one it was, but um, I believe that uh, you're not the first to say something like that to me, so uh, I'm not sure which one it was, but it was a pretty cool experience to be able to do something like that. You have the balls of the touchdown catches you had? Uh, yeah, I, I kept them. Right yeah. yeah, I kept them both. Kept them both. It's very rare you catch a, a touchdown from the GOAT, so I had to keep those. I mean, just, you're right. It's like a movie, Tyler. Like, I don't know if we could have scripted just the way everything played out. Like, for a lot of people, 2020 was not the greatest year. Yeah, wild. And it was wild for you, but wild in a very good way. Yeah, so, um, just a blessing to be able to be here, uh, a blessing to be able to play the child's game as my job, and I'm um, just going to keep stacking the chips, you know, keep going forward. How much fun was it to have your mom and dad at the Super Bowl? It was amazing to have them down there, just spending time in the city. Um, I know they're so proud of me, and um, I love them so much, love them so much. Were they able to get on the field right after the game? They didn't end up doing that, they didn't end up doing that, so. Um, some they missed out on, but I'm, I know they didn't care about it. They cared about it, but I know they didn't care about it too much. They were just so happy to be down there. Then to have Antoine as a teammate, like again, you couldn't script it any better, right? I mean, same recruiting class, and, and now you guys are teammates. Facts. Antoine's a great player. He makes great plays. He loves the game. I'm just so, so proud of him. Uh, he has a great future, a bright future ahead of him. 
How close are you and Kamal? Has there been some some friendly trash talking after you guys eliminated Green Bay? Oh yeah, all the time. Me and Kamal always been that way. Uh, from the first time we met, we met in like seventh grade playing against each other uh, over at the Metrodome, exactly. So, um, but yeah, we got a great bond, great competitive bond. Uh, that's my brother for life, for sure. Why don't you go after this? Speaking of brothers for life, Ramad. Yeah. Like, how much are you just tracking his happenings here in the in the coming weeks and months? Man, it's crazy to be able to be with somebody that, you know, I, I, I touched, I first touched the game with, you know, till today, you know, working out with him, getting him ready for his draft prep. So um, it's amazing feeling to be out here with him, grinding, doing what we love. You know, um, like I said, from nine years old to now, you know, we, we definitely get to still do what we love together. So proud of him. Can't wait to see what happens for him. And then Rashad, right, with, with Bateman now having the same agency as you, there's that bond that, that was already in place, but now that bond goes to Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bate got a great future ahead of him as well. Um, I know he's out there grinding right now, and um, I'm also proud of him, and I can't wait to see what he has. Tyler Johnson, Jeff is my photographer at Channel 5, one of our sports photojournalists, Jeff Briashi. So we connected with Tyler for a TV story that we turned on Monday. So we bonded with Tyler on Monday, Training House Egan, turned that story for the 10 o'clock news. So Jeff was my photojournalist. In fact, Jeff is hopping on an airplane on Monday. He will represent us, us being Channel 5, down in Fort Myers starting on Tuesday morning with those first Twins workouts. So anytime I end up doing an interview for TV, I end up always turning to whether it's Jeff or our other photojournalist in sports, Scott, Scott Wise, because those guys certainly have pressing questions, questions that I don't think of. So I always turn to my photojournalist and say, hey, what do you have? So in that case, it was Jeff Briashi. Ramad is Ramad Chikiao Bowman, former Breck High School receiver, just got done with a nice career at Northwestern. Had a really good final year. Like, he kicked butt. Northwestern won the West Division in the Big Ten. He had a really good game against the Wisconsin Badgers. So, Ramad and Tyler go way, way back. Ramad is now preparing for the NFL draft. He, too, is training at Training House. All right, let's continue the football dialogue. I caught up earlier today with Alexandria High School junior receiver, Christian Hoskins, he committed to P.J. Fleck and the Gophers earlier today. Christian, just take us through. Congratulations, first off. Just Thank take us so through why the University of Minnesota? Why have you committed to play for P.J. Fleck and the Gophers? Well, obviously, I live in Minnesota, and I'm a huge Gophers fan. Been living here since fifth grade, and obviously love what they got going on and just Obviously, when they offered, it was just like, I want to stay home, play in front of my family, friends. And I feel like they they really got something special going on at the U. How fast, Christian, did everything happen? Like, was it really fast from the time they offered to the time you just committed? Um, no, it was it was a really slow process, actually. And the receivers coach, Matt, he, he understood that. And he let me know. And he was like, look, man, like, you're someone we want in our program. And when he told me, he told me Fleck was going to call me and stuff. Obviously, I was super nervous and worried. I'm like, man, I'm about to talk to Coach Fleck. And he had, we had one phone call, and the second phone call, he he gave me a, a four-hour scholarship. So I was super excited. And so, so what day was that? When when did they first make you the offer? Uh, yesterday. Okay, so they offered you yesterday, and yes, then today sir. you committed. So in that sense, you know, things did happen pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. But – like, you knew it, right? Like, the second you had that conversation with Coach Simon, then Coach Fleck, like, it yeah. hit you instantly? Like, this is the place I need to be? 
yeah, plus me and Coach Simon, we've chopped it up since the recruitment process opened up, and we've just been staying in touch, building that relationship, you know? How much were you just waiting? I mean, was there man, a thought I, going back weeks and months that, that hopefully yeah, this offer man. would come? Yeah, I mean, even just seeing them offer other uh, kids, it just it, – it got to me a little bit. It got me upset because I'm like, man, like, when is mine going to come, like, like – Watching that film, just like, dang, like, I want to go for off, you know, I want to show off for my home state, you know. So take me back to the moment. Was it earlier today that you made the phone call? Was it right to Coach Fleck or to Coach Timon to say, hey, I'm coming, I'm nah, on board? So I talked to Coach, like, I've been telling Coach Simon, like, for the longest, like, I'm, like, I'm interested in y'all. When y'all offer me, like, I'm heavily, like, interested in committing. And then I talked to him, and he told me how Coach Fleck was going to call me and stuff, and I was just, like, I'm excited. And I talked to Coach Fleck, and good take us through what kind of player you are so when i watch your huddle video what kind of player will i see you'll see a, a receiver that catches the ball picks up as many yards as possible super fast um capable of making so many guys miss uh what else did you say um just a speedster out there I, i'm i'm good at decelerating uh i'm very well on my feet very aware of my surroundings too. And you're a multi-sport athlete. I mean, I see the basketball shirt there. So you play basketball also? Yes, sir. We actually got a basketball game today and I run track as well. So, I mean, I suppose that helps in football, right? I mean, just, you know, yes. footwork wise on the basketball court track, you're just, you're, you're working on your speed. So like how much do those two sports benefit you on the football Man. field? Well, track obviously gets me so much more faster. It keeps me in shape. And then obviously going into the summer, I played a little bit a little bit of basketball last summer. And this summer I plan on doing a lot of football stuff. Footwork, going down to the cities and just being becoming a better fo uh, football player with my footwork and all that stuff. So it benefits me so much. Have you thought about the possibility of enrolling early? Like this time um, next year, will I, you be on campus for winter workouts? Right. Uh, I, I truly haven't gave that much thought. I'm just still taking it all in. You know, obviously I got to sit down, discuss with the family to see how that's all going to go. When you look at the lineage in the Gopher program, I mean, just even recent, you know, years, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, like, you know, did that make it easier? Not only yeah. is it the home state school, but that yeah. they produce really good wide receivers. Yes. Seeing Tyler Johnson, obviously stay home and just, making an impact on the team and just being as humble as he is and making it to the league, that just shows me, like, I want to work, grind. I want that. You know, I want that for myself. So you said you you got to Alexandria in, in fifth grade. Where were you at before then? Uh, I'm actually – I was born in Chicago. I moved from Chicago. We were moving around, a lot of stuff going on. Moved to the, uh, the city, so I stayed there for some time. And then Alexandria, and then it's been great to me ever since. So how long have you been in Alexandria? Uh, six years. Six years. So, I mean, so I guess what I'm getting at is how well do you know future Gopher basketball player Trayton Thompson? Oh, that's my boy. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I just had a FaceTime call with him not too long ago. We talked and we were just, he was, he was telling me when I got my first offer, he was like, man, bro, just be patient that you was going to come. And I'm like, I know, bro. And then he called me, let me know. He was like, bro, we're going to be on campus together. We're going to be hanging out. So it's, it's going to be fun, man. That's fantastic. What's been the... What's been the feedback so far on, on social media? I mean, is, is your phone Man. just blowing up right now? Yeah, I actually have been just scrolling through my phone, looking at so many texts, Instagram stuff, Twitter stuff, and it's just 
it's going to take some time to respond to some of them. I'm not responding to all, but some of them. It's, it's a lot. Is there a sense of relief that, that as fun as the recruiting process probably is and was that, that you're finally just, you know, you can take a, yeah. a deep breath and say, finally, it's, it's yes, over. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm committed now. I could just focus on school, um, focus on the sports ahead of me and just grind and just be the best I can be in school wise, obviously. Who I feel so much more relief. Yeah. Who were so the that, schools, Christian, that, that finished runner up? So who was it hard to say no to? Uh, for, ooh, uh, all of them. It was hard. I mean, I, I built a relationship with a lot of the coaches, you know, obviously got a, a good connection with them and they all had a lot of good stuff to offer me. Like they, they cared about me, obviously. So who are they? Was, was Iowa state one of them? Like who's they? Oh, uh, Iowa state, uh, Nebraska, um, NDSU. You and I, when I, when I made the calls to the coaches, like I was just so nervous. I'm like, man, like, how are they going to take this? But obviously I know like, this is their job. Like this ain't gonna be the first time they're hearing this from an athlete, you know? So I was, I was pretty relieved by that. And they were all super understanding. So that was really good for me. What are your measurables? So how tall are you? How much, how much do you weigh? Um, I'm actually six, 11. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm five, I'm five, uh, I'm five, nine. Um, I weigh 165, but I personally think when I got shoes on, I'm 5'10". Um, I'm, I'm pretty big. I'm big, you know? And, I mean, you're a junior in high school. I mean, uh, you know, is the thought the growth plates are still open that you might grow another inch or two still? Hey, I mean, if I do, I'll be happy. But if I don't, I'll just keep working, weight room, obviously, and just keep grinding. I'm not really – oh, no. I ain't really worried about the high stuff too much because I've obviously proved myself and I still got my, a lot of stuff to prove. But just hearing that, like, some people doubt me a lot on my height, like, that's just going to keep pushing me, obviously, to be the best I could be. I mean, think about – I mean, there's any number of examples, but, like, K.J. Hamler was just yes, a second-round pick of the Denver Broncos. He kicked serious tail at Penn State. Like, yes, there are many examples, right, Christian, um, where, where height's not an issue. Exactly. So I was actually at uh, the game last year when the Gophers played Penn State, and I was just watching uh, K.J. Hamler. And I'm just like, wow, like this guy's special. Like I, I love his game. I'll leave you with this, Christian. What else would be important is, is we tell your story. What else would be important for people to know? Um, I'm a humble kid. I've been through a lot. I mean, I know what it takes to to dig down and just keep going. Um, I'm a super happy kid, funny kid. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Man, that's it. Best of luck in basketball tonight, and hopefully at some point, maybe next football season, we'll make the drive up and connect with you in person. Yes, sir, man. That would be amazing. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Christian, take it easy. Yes, sir. Take care. Okay. I could use a trip up to Alexandria, Lake Darling, maybe not right now, in the summer, but Lake Darling, Zorba's, sign me up. So maybe in September, maybe we will make that trek up. To meet in person, Christian Hoskins, Alexandria High School Jr., committed today to the Gopher football team recruiting class of 2022. All right, let's wrap up this podcast with my conversation from like 10 days ago, but it's still applicable, with Andrew Albers. He's back with the Twins. It was with the Twins 2013, 2016. He signed a deal with the Twins, non-roster, but invite to spring training, although he's stuck right now in Canada. So he was one of 12 pitchers and catchers 
not on the field today. He is still working on getting his work visa, so he's hoping to fly to Fort Myers as soon as possible. So here's my conversation from like a week to 10 days ago, but it should still apply here. You know, him just talking about his excitement being back in the Twins organization and so on. Here's my conversation recently with Andrew Albers. Andrew, thank you for doing this. Welcome back to the Twins organization. Just how much of this is just full circle back with the organization that, that gave you your first major league opportunity many years ago. And now, you know, many years later, you're you're back. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. Obviously, like you said, it, it's kind of come full circle. It's a little ways down the road, and certainly the journey has taken, taken me on some paths that I wouldn't have expected, but really excited to be back. Uh, the Twins hold a special place in my heart with the opportunities that they've given me in the past, and I'm excited to go back there and, and hopefully help contribute in any way possible. Andrew, take us through just the dynamics, how, how this deal came about. Uh, it happened kind of last week. Uh, obviously, I, I hadn't found uh, an organization that was willing to give me an opportunity as of yet. And the Twins came in Tuesday afternoon and, and said that they were willing to offer me an opportunity and give me an invite to big league camp and uh, go compete for what will likely be the a, a minor league starting position. Well, uh, it would be my assumption anyways. And, uh, you know, I had one other offer out there and, and just looking at the offers and comparing the two, I felt like the Twins would be the better fit. So was excited to to come to that decision and to uh, and to sign with them. The last few years, I mean, minimum, the Twins have used 10 starting pitchers, if not 10, 11, or 12, coming off the atypical year last year. Like, I can't imagine any pitchers going to throw 180 innings even. So, like, pitching depth, I think, this year, more than ever before, is, is uber important. So, like, if you end up starting the year at AAA, is the line of thinking that that – that's okay if, if you start there for a little bit and, and eventually you can come up and help the Twins? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of what I would think is like more than likely going to happen. Uh, you know, hopefully I can make it the AAA team out of camp and I can pitch well down there. And, you know, like you said, it, teams go through start, a lot of starting pitching, and this is going to be an interesting year coming off the short season last year or no season for some of those guys. Um, obviously, the Twins do have some guys that have been fairly, fairly durable, but also have had a little bit of an injury history as well. And but that's almost any staff too, right? Like it's going to be tough for any major league team to go through a season this year without using eight or nine guys. So you just hope that you go down to AAA or wherever that is and, and you pitch well and, and you earn an opportunity. And if you get that opportunity, you try to take advantage of it. So that's kind of my mindset going in and, and hopefully I'll be able to do that. I assume that you've seen that the Twins AAA affiliate now is is literally like a, a runaway. If you want to go for a healthy jog, you could jog from Target Field to downtown St. Paul to CHS Field. I mean, it would be a healthy jog. But the point is, I mean, 20 minutes in the car separating the AAA home and, and, and the Twins home. I mean, this is really cool for a lot of us here that the AAA team is, is now here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, and everyone that I've talked to has said great things about how St. Paul runs their their affiliate there, or I guess it was an independent ball team up until this year. And and so, yeah, I'm, I'd be really excited to play there as well. Obviously, being in the Twin Cities, the, the time that I spent there, I've really enjoyed. Uh, so it's, it's great it being that close to the big league team. If you do get that opportunity, you're not having to uproot and move everything, which is uh, much more convenient than, than certainly years and years past. Uh, so I've been through that process. And you know, it, it's certainly something that uh, that is a nice little caveat uh, with the signing as well. How are you still the pitcher that 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 we saw last year? I guess it would have been what 2016, and how are you different now? 
Well, honestly, I like to think that I've improved a little bit since 2016. Obviously, going over to Japan has been a little bit of an experience there. And the game's played a little bit differently, so it'll be a little bit of an adjustment coming back. Uh, the strike zones will be a little bit smaller, but there's going to be a little bit more swing and miss and guys trying to do a little bit more damage. Whereas in Japan, guys try to put the ball in play a little bit more. They, they do a better job shortening up with two strikes. Uh, so you can get away with some mistakes later in counts. But at the same time, a lot more balls get put in play. So it's going to be a little bit of, a, of an adjustment that way. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, the game's changed a little bit even since the last three years uh, since I've been over here. So, you know, those first couple times out, it'll be interesting to see how hitters react to my stuff. And I, I, I think I've gotten a little bit more consistent with my secondary stuff. And hopefully it'll play a little, little better than it maybe did in the past. And as long as I can find the fastball command, hopefully have a chance of having some success. Remind us of, of the secondary stuff that you have. Yeah, it's just a fastball. Uh, obviously, fastball is kind of my primary pitch. Everything works off that and then throw a changeup that I th feel like's improved. Uh, certainly since 16 when I was with the Twins and, and maybe even since 17, I had to throw it a little bit more in Japan. So it helped get me a little bit better feel for that. And then the little cutter slider that I throw was, you know, hopefully find that again and get back to that. And then a little loopy curveball that I use sparingly to, uh, to say the least. Was going back to Japan an option or just in this in this COVID world, was it time to, to end your time overseas and, and get back here to the United States? I think I would have gone back to Japan had I received an offer. Uh, unfortunately, it went through some bumps and bruises there the last couple of years and, and just wasn't quite good enough to get back there. Uh, feeling a little bit healthier now, so I'm excited about that and, and ready to go. And so when the opportunity to go back there didn't come come up, I was certainly excited about uh, hopefully getting back in the States. And then when the Twins called, uh, started to get really excited about that opportunity. I say the States, but I mean, you're a native of Canada. Just how, how much pride do you take? And, and it seems like the game is, it's been growing for a while up in Canada, but it seems like it's it's maybe, you know, I don't want to say like it's at its peak, but but it seems to, to have grown even more maybe since, you know, the last time you were in the majors. Uh, if, if you need to see the pride, this is the, the bedspread on my on my bed right now. So, you know, I, I, de definitely take pride in being Canadian. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to you got to you got to be prideful of where you come from. And, and most people are and, and they take great pride in that. For me, certainly, when you don't run into a lot of Canadians down south, uh, you make sure that they're aware of it and, and that they're aware of certain things that we take pride in as well. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot of fun. Usually you get a little ribbing from teammates. And then when you drop an A or an about and everyone makes fun of you, you just laugh along with them. So, no, it's good. It's a good time and, and uh, definitely very proud to be Canadian. Big hockey fan. I mean, like if you find a place to live, uh, if you end up in St. Paul, like the Minnesota Wild now, hopefully maybe by, you know, April-ish, you know, fans can be let in. There's there's still some restrictions in place with that. But if you have a chance to head over to the XL Energy Center, you'll be able to watch some NHL hockey. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I'm a bad Canadian in that regards. I'm not a huge hockey fan. I mean, I watch it just like kind of any other sport, but it's probably, it's certainly not my favorite sport to watch. I'd take basketball over that and even probably college and NFL football kind of deal. So hockey is probably kind of my fourth favorite sport to watch. But at the same time, I played for six or seven years growing up, just like pretty much every other kid in Saskatchewan did. So uh, I'm familiar with it at least, and, and I have played before. And I do enjoy watching the playoffs especially, but uh, I don't watch a ton of hockey. So where is home right now? Where are you at right now? Uh, at current moment, I'm in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Saskatoon with the COVID stuff. I wasn't able to prepare the way I normally do by throwing in my old high school gym. So there's a baseball academy that runs in Saskatoon that I've kind of been helping out with, and it's given me a place to throw and to get ready uh, for spring training. So it's worked out really well that way, and it's been great getting an opportunity to work with some of the younger kids in the province, um, you know, 
hopefully sharing some experiences that not many people from here have had. And, and hopefully it's uh, been able to, you know, maybe help them a little bit along the way anyway. So when will you head to Fort Myers? I mean, we're talking here on, on Friday the 12th, presumably like you're heading down to Florida here pretty quick. Well, I'm hoping Monday, uh, as long as the visa gets in, it'll be on Monday, but obviously with things going as quickly as they have, it's a little bit of a time crunch there. I'll find out later today, whether or not that visa gets in on time at the moment I have the flight booked for Monday and, and I'm ready to go and I'm hoping to report on time. Uh, again, if not, if the visa doesn't get in, those things will have to get adjusted and, and I'm not sure. Uh, it'll be whenever that gets in, hopefully get out of here really quickly afterwards. I mean, is there any sense that there would be any hiccups? Like, I don't even know how that process works, but is there confidence that it gets approved here this afternoon and you're on that airplane on Monday? Well, we're certainly hoping so. Again, it's one of those things, it's been expedited, uh, but it, there, getting a visa in a week can be a challenge. Uh, you know, as soon as we got the paperwork signed, we got on it. Uh, but again, there are, there's a little bit of, of a backup. If there is a little bit of a backup or anything there, you know, it can take a little bit more time. So with the international offices, you just never really know how those things go. I'm optimistic that it still has a chance of getting in today. Uh, but I'm not sure, you know, we'll, and, and we'll go from, or we'll approach it how we have to, you know, after we find out more today. There obviously isn't much turnover, you know, from, from way back in 16, but I suppose like a, a Jorge Polanco, maybe a, a, was Max Kepler on the 16 team. Like, I'm just Kepler trying to think, Angel, like how many, yeah. How many guys, you know, Burrios, like how many guys do you, do you have a relationship with? Uh, Taylor Rogers is still there as well. Uh, him and I are Kentucky boys. So, you know, he, he gave me a call the other day um, from 16. There's, there's still a few guys left from 13. I'm not sure there's anyone left anymore. Gibson's gone and Dozier's gone. And I think those were the last two guys. You know what? I'll give you one from 13. So my memory's all over the place. Cause I couldn't remember all the, all the 16 guys, but what about Caleb Fieldbar who left? Caleb, I don't, but now he's he back. Was he did on Caleb 13? Get up there? Did he get up there in 13 or was it 14? Maybe it was 14. Andrew, here's I, what happens. I mean, what, you're 35. I'm 41. No, I, I think you're right, Caleb. My memory is like this. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, they all blend together, right? And I can't remember if Caleb was there in 13 or not, but you might be right. Yeah. So he might be the he might be the, the last guy from that 13 club that's still around. So there are still some guys from 16. Buxton was up and down. And then Kepler, Berrios, Polanco, because uh, they're a little bit younger coming up. Rogers, uh, that might be about it there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how quick the game turns over. It's, it's incredible. You, you come back three or four years later and it's a whole new squad. It's, it's kind of funny that way. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, you probably saw the glimpses of all those guys you just mentioned. I mean, Buxton and Rogers and, and Kepler and Polanco. I mean, now they're part of that core that, that has won back-to-back division championships. Like the expectations are incredibly high right now here. Yeah. And it's great to see. I mean, you heard about the talent coming up and you could see the talent coming up. I mean, I played against a lot of those guys in 15 as well when I was in Buffalo and uh, you, you could just see the talent and, and it's nice to see that they have uh, managed to fulfill the expectations and, and managed to live up to the hype. And, and obviously there were a lot of people expecting them to do really good things and they, and they've come in and done that. And, and uh, it's been a great core. Uh, they were, they were a great group when they were younger and to see them develop and, and achieve their potential has been fun to watch. Andrew, thank you for doing this. That's all I needed. I appreciate it. I hope everything gets approved here later today and, and you're on that airplane. Me on too. Monday. <laughs> we'll be rooting for you. I'll be, I'll be tracking your happenings. I appreciate it, Andrew. All right. Thanks a lot, Darren. I appreciate okay. it. Have a good one. Andrew Albers, Twins pitcher. So that conversation was last Friday, one week ago today. Unfortunately, he still doesn't have that clearance on the work visa, but 
I think from listening to that conversation, hopefully it came across like he is a really easy guy to root for. So let's hope, at least I hope, that he gets that work visa. He can fly from Canada to Fort Myers here pretty quick and get into Twins camp as soon as possible. All right, we are done. Have an enjoyable weekend. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 335. Stay safe. Stay sane.